What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. It's Jeff Lemire week this week, as we are here to talk about the first two episodes of Sweet Tooth, which premiered on Netflix on Friday, and the conclusion of the Family Tree comic book, as well as we're going to throw in a preview of Loki for you all. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. John, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Chris, what is happening today, my friend? Everything is going well. Another recording Saturday. I'm feeling good. Uh, actually made my uh, bi-weekly trip to the comic book store today. Uh, I know you did recently, too. We've been talking about it a little bit. And just, man, it's a lovely, lovely feeling, lovely place to be every week. It's like my happy place. I go in and... Whether my uh, pull is small or large, very large as it was this week, uh, doesn't matter. I don't mind. Um, it's my thing I like to like to do. It's what brings me inner peace. So, yeah, that was, that's a good way to start off the day. Comic book store, man. A lot of good stuff I got. Uh, we probably matching some things, but yeah, man. Comic store. Love it. Good Saturday. Yeah, right. I went yesterday. I snuck in yesterday, wanted to grab that last issue of Family Tree so we could talk about it today. Super excited to get to the store. For me, it was like six weeks, man. They pulled my books and they I was in like the call pile. Like I they <laughs> I was about to get closed because it's been it just time's been flying. It's been crazy here with work and everything. So it was awesome to be able to sneak in and go that. Um I ended up grabbing this book. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I had it right here ready to. I lost can't it. find it you can't find it what I was it find. oh yeah i got basilisk have you heard of this one uh no i don't think i have i'm not sure it's another boom comic one that i just i just stumbled onto and saw it there and the art just looks sick it's from yeah uh, can't uh you can, you can never find they used to put you know people's names right in the front right on the front uh that, that was a cool cover though yeah the cover looks cool they had a bunch of different variants um, I'm really excited. Oh, yeah, it is right here. Cullen, Cullen Boone, Jonas Sharp, and Alex Gamaris. Okay. Yeah, Cullen Bunn writes a lot of good stuff, man. He's he's a guy everybody should check out. He's got a lot of fun books. One they're making into a another boom book they're making into one of those Netflix shows we talked about, like a horror thing. He's a big horror guy. So I don't know if that's going to be like that. That's cool. Yeah, man, I had a... Uh, it looks zombie-ish or like some kind of horror thing. So it, it seems pretty... Yeah, nice. Yeah, I got, I got a couple new number ones. Uh, a couple other things. I know the TMT, the uh, the last Ronin 3 was in there. And uh, yeah, you got it too. A couple, couple episodes ago, I talked about Noctera. And I totally didn't even realize because you sh- when you showed me the picture, it was number four. I was like, I don't even remember getting number three. And then when I got there, I was like, did I miss Noctera number three? They were like, you're not subscribed to Noctera. I was like, I'm not. So like, I must have just like made a mistake and not told them. So four came out this week. So they had that. And I walked over to the back issues. I was like, please let number three be here. Don't let me just like miss out on number three. And there was one copy left. I was like, thank you. Yeah. So we have the exact same story, <laughs> the exact same experience, because I walked into the store. I only had Noctera one here. No idea what numbers they were up to. And then I walked in and saw 
four. I was like, good Lord, how are they already at four? This thing must has to be like a bi-weekly or something stupid. Like, I can't imagine it would be in four months since the first one came out. But regardless of if it has, I uh, was like, oh, crap, I got to go look through the back issues. What? So I grabbed four off the shelf. As I was walking, what also came out this week was Noctera 2 was on its third printing. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh god so i grabbed that i was like I, you know third printing that sucks but i still want it so i'm gonna buy it right so then i'm like all right let's go over to the back and see if they got noctera three so i walk over to the back section grab three i was like sweet and i was like well what else do they have let's see if they have another two so i looked they had two they had a first printing of two right there so i grabbed that one switch it yeah, yeah i just switched it. and i was like, all right i got first printing two first printing of three i just found it funny that they up in the front had the third printing but in the back just sitting there on the shelf they had this first printing i was like I'm going to take first printing. I mean, I'm not a comic book seller, but. Well, yeah, they weren't expecting a detective like yourself to come in and be like, uh, you guys can smell that first printing in here somewhere. I'm going to get that first. Printing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I smelled it out and they were sitting there. Damn it. He figured us out. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good feeling. Got a bunch of books. Excited to dive, dive in a little bit more. And I'm excited to really finally this week talk about comics as we're going to do a deep dive into uh, Family Tree. Uh, Jeff Lemire finished Another Book is Done, and we are going to talk all about it. And I'm excited to really see what you thought, because we obviously haven't had a chance to talk about that book in a while. Yeah, man, it'll be fun. A book we both read. Um, the books we read don't always match, but I, I think this one uh, we both picked up on our own without knowing the other one was reading it. And uh so yeah, that'll be a fun conversation, I'm sure. Well, let's just jump into it, man. But first, make sure you like, subscribe, follow us on all podcasts and social media services. Uh, definitely hit us up on Twitter at RaisedAGeek.com. And thank you to the now over 500 that have joined us in the Twitterverse. Super excited about that. So thank you, guys. Yeah, it's a fun milestone. Uh, we didn't think we'd, we were happy when we had 20 followers when we first started. So 500 is a huge number. Thanks to everybody. Uh, it's just having fun. It's fun, man. It's real yeah. fun. So thank you guys for that. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, want to join the conversation, join the show. You can also shoot us an email at raisedageek at gmail.com. And then make sure on your podcast, favorite podcast service, you hit us up with five stars. We do appreciate those reviews coming in as well. It helps expand our footprint. Don, ready to talk some geek news? Always, Chris. Always. Let's do it. We had like no trailers came out this week, or at least anything worth talking about. There's a couple little things here. I saw a Hugh Jackman trailer, a Mark Wahlberg trailer. I didn't watch any of them, but. Yeah, there was some trailer with like uh the girl from the AT&T phone commercials and uh, like a werewolf movie she was in. Did you see anything about that? No, you know what? And I saw you sent that in a group text and I haven't watched it. Werewolves within. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched that. It looks funny. It's probably, I mean, we don't have to talk about it here. Maybe we will someday, but it looked all right. I like I that. I like the dude who's in that. He's always, he's real funny. I can't think of his name though. He's on Detroiters that show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know his name either. My wife really likes that show. Yeah. Parts I've seen, he's really funny. So yeah, he pops yeah. up and stuff, and he he cracks me up. So that's good. And that AT and T girl, hey, we bring it back around. She got cast as Squirrel Girl on Disney Plus at some point. So yeah, 
Yeah, I know she was going for that. I don't know if it's a uh, voice acting or is that like an animated? It might be animated, but either way, yeah, she did. Uh, everyone knows her as the AT and T girl, but I guess she's a working actress <laughs> too. As they all so are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as they all are. So hopefully we'll get some trailers. But speaking of trailers, the No Way Home Spider Man. I don't know why I read that backwards. Spider Man No <laughs> Way Home trailer is in theaters. But when will it debut? So this week it did break a news story from some projectionists around the country that they had the Spider-Man trailer just sitting there ready, loaded, cocked, locked and ready to uh, premiere and blow all of our minds, I'm sure, by spoiling so, so much of that movie. Uh, what do you see on this news, Don? Are you, you ready for this trailer? I mean, I've been ready for it. Um, I'm, I'm shocked at the... As we've discussed before, I'm shocked at the uh, rate these Marvel trailers are releasing. Like we just had Shang-Chi, it seems like we were just watching a few weeks ago. And then boom, there's an Eternals one. And now all of a sudden there's talk like the Spider-Man one's ready to go. And uh, so I I know you said like it's going to be super spoilery. I just hope it's not too spoilery. Um, But man, like all the talk surrounding this movie has been so like over-encompassing and like uh everyone just seems like they want to have theories and talk about it and speculate and everyone's got a uh inside guy like inside connection like i know what's going to happen i know this i know that this person's in it this this group of people is in it this is the plot of the movie like it's already so out there so now it's just like i'm just gonna take it and whatever marvel studios decides to present to me uh i'm gonna take it in and enjoy it and because I'm not going to spend the next however many months until December trying to actively avoid. That's just going to be too hard. If it's going to be out there and I'm going to see it, just show it to me. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. No, I know. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you don't, if it turns out being what it's rumored to be about, you know, if we're going to have Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina as the bad guys, I don't think they've announced another like actual villain in this movie besides these guys. I don't know how they could market this movie another way without kind of giving away some things. So you might as well, I mean, I'm sure they'll save something, you know, they're not going to blow it all. They're Marvel studios. They don't have to give us everything in a trailer for people to go see spider-man like this movie's gonna make a billion dollars without them showing anything they could just have spider-man just web slinging in the trailer and it just says no way home and he could just be lost in new york and like i don't know how to get home and people would still make give this movie a billion dollars so it doesn't really matter what they show so i don't think they they're gonna blow it all and especially in this first trailer yeah i mean the big one we all we're all aware of it we're not blind or deaf we know you know the big rumors are about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So if, if something like that is happening, which Garfield has denied, we've talked about, uh, no one seems to have asked Tobey Maguire. And if they have, no one's like talking about it. Uh, if that's really what is going on, I just hope we don't see that in the first trailer. Even if I know it's happening, I just want to see it with my eyes for the first time watching the movie. Don't show it to me in the trailer. I just want to see that in the, happen like while i'm sitting in the movies if it like if i know about it if i do end up finding out about it and it gets confirmed oh well i mean what can i do it's it's already out there but i don't want to see it you can confirm (laughs) it all day and tell me that toby mcguire and andrew garfield are in this movie but i don't want to know how 
Like, I don't want to see what it looks like. I don't want to see it. I don't want like like they did with Batman versus Superman, just completely showing you the trinity of Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman standing side by side in battle. That just ruined that movie because they gave that shot away. Why would they give that shot away in a trailer? That was the dumbest thing. And if they give away any of these shots in this in a trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, if they put these spider verses together and they blow that shot. Like you can you can have them walk in, but have look at Tom Holland and be like, whoa, who are you guys or something? That's fine. Don't show them. You can't. Yeah. You could tease that they're there. You can show you can maybe even hear their voice. Don't mm-hmm. show them. Don't show them. Don't show them. You can't. Yeah, show that, them. That's that's my hope, too. Like, I want to if it's going to happen, I want to see it with my eyes for the first time in theaters in their same costumes that they had. uh I just that's that's just how I would like to um consume that but so fingers crossed on that we'll see what happens rumor is it's going to be paired with Peter Rabbit 2 which I won't be seeing but the internet works very fast so I'm sure it'll be online uh I hope Sony like does some kind of weird way of not putting it online they're like you gotta go see peter rabbit too guys <laughs> peter rabbit too will end up being like the highest grossing movie of the of the year because people want to see the no way home trailer yeah we go back <laughs> to the days where the only way you could watch it is like a bootleg off someone's phone like everyone's just watching these bootleg things <laughs> right the good old days you know yeah uh but you can bet your ass we're going to be here to talk all about Spider-Man No Way Home when we see this trailer and we're going to dissect the hell out of it because that's what we're here to do for your guys' entertainment. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we also had, we just crossed the 10th anniversary of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. They're showing the film in theaters. It's getting a lot of love currently. And uh, it was just announced the other day that they are actually releasing an expanded soundtrack on July 9th, which is actually going to feature a full version of Brie Larson's cover of the metric classic black sheep. The original soundtrack only had the metric version and the movie only had like a snippet of it. And then it cut. So you didn't actually get to hear this whole thing. So now we actually get to hear Brie Larson's full version, which you can currently watch up on YouTube. I watched the music video today. It was super cool. Yeah, nice. As soon as I heard about this, I uh, jumped onto Spotify and found this uh, Brie Larson's full version. And I've actually already listened to it a couple times because, man, that song is one of my favorite parts of that movie. Uh, and it's just a good song. Like, yeah. I I think that song is totally dope and yeah, the metric metric is under well I don't even know if they're underrated but yeah that maybe they are and I mean people I I left their Spotify play a little bit and there are a couple of songs that play are like oh I know that song I know that song like help I'm alive mm-hmm. and gold gold gun girls by metric if people listen to those uh you'll you'd know that song so they're a uh, pretty established bands but, but is it weird that i think the brie larson version of black sheep i like prefer it to the metric version is that just me or like i don't know why she can actually like sing if that's really her singing she's a good i mean i guess it is really her singing she's a good vocalist yeah i was i was actually you know pleasantly surprised by that and uh it also got me thinking like if you're the the front woman of metric are you like how do you feel about a song that your band wrote 
it's being used in this movie and like the studio comes to you like all right now we're going to record a version with uh you're not involved in this anymore we're going to take you out of that see here's brie larson meet her shake hands she's uh <laughs> she's in this she's in this movie and we're going to have her just sing the song uh do a quick uh recording of it and that's what's going to be in the movie it's a it's a little i don't know it's a little strange i'm sure the check that they paid them was probably worth it yeah, probably so. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> that usually is the thing that, you know, us little people always forget is we're like, man, I wouldn't want anyone to take my creative work or my intellectual property. But then we're not having someone handing us a six figure check going here. You know, no, you it's that true. Song? we're going to have someone else sing this song, but still give you credit for it. Here's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh, OK. Yes, sir. What do you want? You know, you want any more yeah. of these songs? <laughs> right. We have a whole library here. We're We're for sale. Anything you want. <laughs> yeah. You know. I, I, I'm not 18 anymore where, I, you know, you want to bitch about selling out. You know, I'm, I'm all for selling out here at 38. <laughs> Absolutely. Your your ideals change the older you get. Selling out becomes an idea, antiquated idea from your youth. That's like, that's stupid. Yeah. Money. It's about money. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're against selling out, you're still somehow making money doing that. There's all those bands that were like, oh, I don't want to sell out. But and they might not have went mainstream sold out, but they're still making money somehow because they're still making music. Yeah. And the only people who are bitching about a band selling out are like the ones who steal their music and don't buy their merch anyway. So it's like, you're not helping this band thrive anyhow. So what do you care how they make money? Yeah. But I, like I said, Scott Pilgrim versus the world is just a phenomenal movie. A movie just even watching like the video. Cause they kind of like put together a music video and showing all these clips from that movie. And I was like, I mean, I watched that movie not too long ago. But yeah. damn, that is just such a damn good movie. And I believe it's still up on Netflix, ain't it? Uh, it might be. I haven't seen it in a while. That would be one I would want to watch again, too. Yeah, like, it's a great movie. Great cast. Uh, everybody is in that movie. Yeah, everybody's in everybody. that movie. Top to bottom, just a, you know, super original, like, well-made. Just like, when if if you look up the definition of, like, straight comic book movie in the dictionary you'll see scott pilgrim in there it's like yeah it's a great yeah, great so time stylized and yeah and it's yeah. on netflix i just checked so definitely if you guys ha- haven't seen this movie or it's been a while just put it on again it's just the music is so damn good and yeah. stylization and just so much about that movie is so great who doesn't love michael Sarah? he's america's favorite awkward boy <laughs> so check it out definitely check it out yeah, stupid Arrested Development. <laughs> Do you ever watch season five of Arrested Development? No, I haven't seen either of the Netflix seasons. There's mm-hmm. two se- two extra seasons they did after Fox, right? Yeah, I just never haven't gotten around to it. Um, heard mixed things about the first one, then I guess people say the second one got back to more of a feel from the Fox. But I don't know. I do I like that, that show. Oh, you never watched it? I, well, I never watched five, the newest season. I watched the fourth one that they did, and then they re-edited it to make it not be as jarring, which yeah. I watched some of those again to get ready for five, but I couldn't get through it, so I never watched five. Hmm. One day. Future episode in the making, Arrested Development Arrested Netflix. Development <laughs> Netflix. See, but I mean, but you'd have to watch all those old ones because those, oh, those first three seasons are just classic. Oh, yeah. God, it's so so good. All right, man. What else we got going on? We did get a sneak peek at some of these DC movies costumes coming up. 
Uh, first up was Shazam 2. They put together a teaser video that dropped uh, on Friday of Zachary Levi showing off his new costume and then them not turning on the lights. So you can't fully see it. Um, we did. Uh, so they went for the comedy aspect of it to get the hearty har hars. They had a uh, another couple other pictures came out with him and looking in the suit, but I know you and I talked before we went on the air. I don't know what the difference is <laughs> between the yeah. suit, the red suit with a lightning bolt. Yeah. It's a little bit different as they all tend to be for sequels, but it looks cool. Yeah. Full disclosure. I, I still haven't watched Shazam, the original. Shazam. So Shazam. So it's kind of hard for me to comment on the differences in the outfit. Cause honestly, I do not know. Uh, I mean, Zachary Levi, it looks cool. It looks, you know, it's bright, colorful. Uh, I'm still impressed with the way he transformed his body from Chuck back in the <laughs> Chuck, back in the Chuck days where he always just looked like a little scrawny dude. He's got that, uh, you know, when you get cast in a comic book movie, you become huge. I guess that works for Marvel and for DC. Uh, and that, as far as that little teaser that we watched, um, it's only like 45 seconds or whatever. I kind of took that as like a shot. Is that a shot at like DC movies before that aren't Shazam that aren't comedic? Like, cause he was like, man, it's too dark. And like, uh, kind of like the, just the darkness. Is yeah. that making fun? Is that making fun yeah. of like Zack Snyder's movie? I bet yeah. you, I bet you it's making fun of yeah. DC movies being so damn dark. On yeah. top of just yeah, that idea of always doing that, because I, I mean, they, I just saw the uh, they're filming the Borderlands movie right now. Uh, Eli Roth is, and he, they just put up on Twitter, you know, Kate Blanchett's character, but all you see is a silhouette of her. You can't actually see her, so they're like, first look at Lilith for the Borderlands movie, and it's just a silhouette where you can get excited because it's you know obviously it's very cartoony, so you can see the outfit, you can see the hair, you can see some things, so it looks like the character, but you can't see it. You know, so I'm yeah. sure they're making fun of that type of thing too. But I really think there's probably a jab in there for what you said with the DC thing. I didn't even think of that. That's funny. Yeah, it seems like a tongue in cheek, like elbowing, like haha, I get it, guys. We're the funny one out of the, the DC WB family, and no, nothing's out of off limits. We're gonna get at everybody. Yeah, I thought that was fine. I'll get to Shazam as well. Seems like I got to get to a lot of things. Everything we're talking about, I was like, I don't know it. I've never seen it. <laughs> but uh, hosting this podcast, I didn't want. I don't watch anything. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, Shazam was fun. Um, we also got the director of the Flash movie, Andy, whatever M from. I'm not even going to try to butcher his name again, like I did previously. <laughs> You're going to go yeah. for it. No, no, no. no I no, won't no. do that. <laughs> you guys know who we're talking about. But uh, the director of the Flash movie tweeted out an image that was very familiar, but it was basically the 1989 Batman suit with blood thrown on it. So you had the big yellow bat symbol, and then you had this splatter of blood on the corner, very reminiscent of Watchmen on top of the uh, button, Batman and Flash crossover comic, The Button. Um, which was set in a precursor for Doomsday Clock. Mm -hmm. I got all that right, right? You did. You heard yep. me. You heard me pushing through, like <laughs> making sure I'm naming all of these things. I saw. Properly. I can see your face. Our listeners can't see your face. We're on a Zoom call, but I saw like your wheels turning slowly <laughs> as you're like trying to make sure you're getting all that right. But uh, yeah, getting all that right. But you got it. long story short, it was the 1989 bat suit with blood on it 
what do you think that's trying to say? Because he did that on purpose to try to get you excited that they were, it sounded like they were heading out to Scotland to film really with Michael Keaton here in the next week. So yeah, he's back. Michael Keaton's back and in some way he's Batman. I'm assuming unless they make him Thomas Wayne or they make him. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be probably his same character as 89 Bruce Wayne. Uh, him being in this movie was was confirmed by his agent and him so we all know what is happening so seeing this image is cool that uh it's just kind of a callback to nostalgic feelings of just that suit from from the that original tim burton batman movie like the yellow and the black and the logo um so that's a good feeling knowing that if you're a fan of that era of batman movies that you're going to get to see something uh something along the lines of of that again uh so i'm excited about it as much as i can be about this flash movie i still don't fully know what they're going for what they're going to do i know it's based on the flashpoint comic and like you said uh this this logo kind of has callbacks to the button a recent batman flash crossover so uh it's a cool little just like easter egg nugget kind of a thing just a little something to get your taste buds ready for what's to come so yeah i'm into it i just i can't imagine this movie in any way working i just i don't know there's just there's so many moving parts in this film if you want to have ben affleck you want to have all these batmans you're trying to like reboot the dc multiverse you have ben affleck you have michael keaton you don't have christian bale you don't you know unless they somehow work some backdoor deal which i don't think they did and i can't imagine christian bale doing and then it's yeah. just you have a completely different director. This is now the third director to direct Ezra Miller as The Flash. And I've watched, like I said, you watched Snyder's f- version of The Flash and Joss Wheaton's were two different versions of The Flash. So what mm-hmm. are we even getting? You know, I don't even know what Ezra Miller we're going to get or what version of The Flash we're getting for this movie. And I don't even know, like, if it's going to be Joss Wheaton's where he's going to be on, you know, ADHD Flash. <laughs> I can't imagine it's a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour how is this dude going to run a movie, carry a movie for two and a half hours on his own? While you, it's just, it, they yeah. can be, this movie could be such a disaster. Yeah. They got, they still have a lot of time to sell us on what they're doing. Cause I don't even really know what they're going to be doing. All I know is it's a flash movie with Ezra Miller who, you know, has been the flash for these past few movies. So I know he's getting his own movie. That's all I really know. And it's based on the flashpoint, story which i didn't fully even read i kind of know what it is it's like a thing with time travel and different uh dimensionary stuff so yeah so that's all i saw the animated movie they did which was really good but did you okay yeah um i think think that's up on hbo now you can watch that if you watch shazam okay there we go (laughs) (laughs) it's it's still flash is still in its preliminary phases so i'm not gonna um speculate too hard at what i'm gonna see because i don't even know I just know that if I'm judging it just by this image, it's cool. Just the the Batman 89 logo. It's a cool little picture that we, they just wanted us to talk about. And look at us. We are. So there you go. Mission. Mission, ac- mission accomplished. <laughs> Don, we said it was Jeff Lemire Day. Let's talk about some Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Uh Super pumped about all of this, man. I was super, I, I'm not excited about Netflix shows rarely ever, um, we, which we didn't put it in the news for whatever reason. So this seems like as good a place as ever to put it. But Jupiter's Legacy got canceled this week. 
Oh yeah, we didn't mention four that. weeks. It, it shows how much we cared about it. We 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 were ahead of the curve because we were one of the only podcasts that were like, "This show sucks." And four <laughs> yeah. weeks later, the rest of the world was like, "Yeah, you know what? It really did suck." So I don't know what I don't know how much they paid to everybody else. I, and and if you can pay us next time, I yeah. would be happy to talk about Jupiter's Legacy for some money as we talk about selling out. Let's bring it back full circle here. But yeah, Jupiter's Legacy is no more, man. Yeah, I know we were we're usually at our best on this show and we're talking about things we're excited about. Uh nobody really likes talking about things they like hate or don't dislike. It's less fun. But I mean, we had to be honest with our feelings about Jupiter's legacy. We didn't care for it, and so I'm not surprised at um the show not getting picked up by Netflix. They're very fickle with the shows they pick up anyway they're very cancel happy to begin with so regardless of viewership or not when when the bad reviews started pouring in i'm sure they're like all right we're not gonna make another one of these four weeks is quick yeah so i'm not i'm not super surprised by it um yeah i don't know so now did coming into sweet tooth we watched the first two episodes last night on premiere day Coming into this now, does that put a Jupiter's Legacy, put like a bad taste in your mouth a little bit? A Netflix show? I know neither one of us are really big on Netflix shows, their original programming. They have their couple hits every once in a while, but nothing, you know, we're not connoisseurs of it. You know, we don't go over the top of just like, ooh, Netflix shows. I love them all. And we're doing that. So, I mean, did were you nervous watching Sweet Tooth? Now, I don't know what you thought about Sweet Tooth, so you might come at me a completely different direction here. We have not talked about it, but yeah. just curious if that put a expectation in your head coming into this one. I'm just very iffy about Netflix shows in general, like if they'll last. Um, the oversaturation, I, I feel like, of Netflix sometimes is a bad thing because, you know, we all know, we all have it. You turn it on and they're promoting whatever the newest thing is. Like it's the top of the thing. They're going to run the trailer automatically. So you just have to watch it. This is our new show. It just came out. But then a couple of days later, there's another new show so that they have to start advertising. So I feel like the stuff gets buried and uh, whether it's good or not, is there going to be an audience for it? So yeah, sometimes it is hard to, hard to think that you're going to settle into a show and, because you don't know what they're going to do with it. You really don't know what Netflix is going to do. Would I prefer if this show would have been on, you know, uh, Amazon, like we just got invincible. Maybe, uh, we've, we've talked about how we like the weekly model better than the binge model Would something like that have worked better. Yeah. But I mean, this is what it is. Uh, it's on Netflix and all of Netflix shows. It would help all of their shows if they went to a non-binge model. And you you could produce less shows if you don't have to have something new every Friday. And you can drag out Sweet Tooth for eight weeks. And you could have dragged out Jupiter's Legacy for eight weeks and got eight weeks worth of people talking about it. And eight weeks worth of people who might have came in after four episodes or wanted to get caught up because they started hearing, oh, this show's gotten good. But when you watch, when you binge it and you watch eight episodes all at one time and everyone's like, meh, it was okay. And then it falls off and you never got any buzz for that show. You never had, you never allowed it time to breathe. You never, they just don't care. And that's always been my problem with Netflix shows. They just drop the drop the show and then forget about it. And you're just, there's no, there's no support behind their shows. Yeah. Except for like the ones, you know, that they hit pay dirt with immediately. Like, you know, people loved Queens Gambit. So that show was 
you know, water cooler talk around the country and the world. So that's why that show was so successful. And then, you know, other shows like Ozark and some of their other legacy shows they had in the past going back to, um, I can't think of what the name of the show right now, the Kevin Spacey show, one of their first shows and oh, House, uh, of Cards. House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. I mean, they do have their hits, uh, but they just seem very few and far between other shows that I think are good on that um service end up getting canceled like there's good shows on there that get canceled like i can't think of the name of it right now man please help me out the one about the sense eight did you ever watch sense eight uh, just episodes here and there man that show was great and it just i don't feel like it got the the chance it fully deserved like it should have kept going uh eventually like fan outpour for that show did actually matter because that show did get a movie to end the way it was intended to instead of just straight up canceled but netflix usually doesn't bend to pressure like that but the fan outcry was so heavy on that one uh but yeah i mean i'm getting away from what your original question was (laughs) but uh yeah so netflix it being on netflix makes me a little makes me a little nervous but i'm just i went in trying to have an open mind and just see what they had cooking with sweet tooth so Sweet Tooth came out. They dropped all eight episodes yesterday. They ranged from 53 minutes down to like 36. So I was kind of excited to see that. Um, last time I looked, it was sitting at Rotten Tomatoes at like 97%. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about as we lead into what we thought about it, um, I thought it was weird that the majority of critics seemed to enjoy it. And like I said, 97% is pretty high for a Netflix show or just a show in general. But then I was mentioning to you about how I was reading the IGN review and IGN for some reason gave it a five. And I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on this thing because they gave it a five because it veered too far from the source material. And supposedly they did this a lot with Invincible too. It was it didn't match the source material. So it's a slam against the show. And in that as a reviewer, shouldn't you not be doing that? Like that seems weird, right? Or is that just me being crazy? No, it is weird uh if if things were intended just to follow the comic word for word then what are you like what are you making the show for is kind of my thought then people could just read the comic there's no need for a show or read the book or whatever something's based on like taking liberties and like making changes is what adaptations are kind of there to do like open it up to a new audience and not make it so stale like if i read sweet tooth issue one to the end final issue what do i need to watch the show for i know every single thing that's going on and everything that's going to happen unless i just want to see it like presented in a you know live action way that's the only reason i want to watch it because i already know there's no surprises in this thing for me so yeah that's totally a weird reason um to rate a show low i guess whoever wrote that just wants to go watch you know Zack Snyder's Watchmen, because that pretty much is word for word. And nobody comic, liked that. <laughs> comic book, right? So, I mean, I don't, who knows? I just thought it was real weird, and especially like with Invincible. And I know with Sweet Tooth, the way it made it sound, I didn't really fully dive into the review because it was the season review, as they, since right. it's a binge show, they were able to, and I didn't want anything spoiled. So I kind of just hit the, the summary of it real quick and then looked through some comments just to kind of see what the overall consensus was. And that just kind of where it seemed to be, but it seemed like it was the comic book was a lot darker than the show is like Netflix for the show. They wanted it to be a little bit more accessible, age accessible, um, which supposedly something they did sound like they did with that show Lock and Key as well, where they kind of took a dark source material and then kind of family did up a little bit. 
which sure. didn't seem to rub this reviewer the wrong way. They wanted to see the dark and gritty, I guess. Um, but that's so that's weird. I thought that was a weird way to review. Yeah. It. Yeah, I agree with you. I got my issues with IGN. They loved Wonder Woman eighty four, so I can't really take much of them yeah, seriously anymore. Anyway, they they absolutely got paid for that. They got, had to. They, they had there's to. No, there's no <laughs> way that they didn't not get paid for that. Like that. <laughs> It's just what it was. They they were dropping those reviews early. They were one of the first ones to get the reviews out. And just really, before the stink wall came and got them, they were able to get ahead of it. So they, I'm sure they made their money. Once again, selling out. Yeah. The American take, way. Take IGN reviews with a grain of salt, I say. You have to. I mean, you have to take all reviews as a grain of salt, including even what we're about to say. So definitely yeah, for sure. you know, make watch it if your sounds interesting and form your own opinion but there's going to be spoilers for the first two episodes of sweet tooth following now so if you have not watched those two episodes yet hit us a pause skip to the next time point so you can hear what we're geeking out on or family tree and let's go don sweet tooth episodes one and two overall are we coming back to the show or are we jupiter's legacy it uh for me i'm gonna i'm coming back I, I enjoyed myself. Um, like you said, this is Sweet Tooth 1 and 2. It's a comic by Jeff Lemire, and uh, Jim Mickle is the guy behind this, the adaptation for Netflix, kind of the showrunner. Um, he did without, the comics and the show? No, Jim, no, he's just the showrunner for this. He's like, I don't know how, I don't know how deeply Jeff Lemire is involved in this adaptation, but uh, either way, it's based on his comic. Um, I don't know, man. I, I thought this was a fun show. Uh, first two episodes in, um, I didn't really know what was, what to expect, uh, minus from, you know, the trailer we saw, but, uh, it was fun. I like the, the environments are cool. It's got like a lush, lush landscape going on. The setting is like, yeah, it's, it's a gorgeously shot show. The settings are really refreshing. It's not like on a sound stage. You could tell they, they filmed outside and on location, a lot of things. Uh, some of the, um, criticisms like you were just talking about, I've seen was they took a dark source material and made it more targeted to children, maybe in a way, a little more whimsical. Uh, but I, I like what's going on. I like, I like stuff like this. I'm a guy who sat there and watched, you know, uh, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and loved those movies. And like these, these kind of movies, like, or stuff like this adventure stuff, I just enjoy. Um, yeah. So thumbs up for me for the first two episodes. And before we get too deep into it, how about you? What, did, what are your yeah. initial thoughts? I, dude, I loved it, man. It was, like I said, it was like magical. And I enjoy the idea that it was a TV 14, just kind of like story, you know, and one that was for, for the most part, wholesome. I mean, they still hit on violence and horrible themes and very serious things coming out of a pandemic ourselves, you know, seeing a very similar situation play out on the screen. There were a lot of images that happened on this that we can now relate to a lot more than we would have if this show would have came out two years ago. There was lots of, uh, you know, it's definitely adults themes and topics and stuff, but being able to display it in a way that's at least accessible to everybody is refreshing. I'm, I'm get, I get tired of just watching the everybody wanting to be dark, gritty, violent, vulgar, just for the sake of doing it. It's one thing if it benefits your story, but I feel like so many times people are just doing it because they could do it. Hey, we can show this on TV. Let's do it. And we'll shock some people by being sexually aggressive or being this or that. And you're just like, oh my God, just 
I don't need to see it. You know, it's just yeah playing in that way. So it was refreshing for me to be able to just see a nice story that still touched on really serious and kind of adult themes and topics without needing to be rated R, if that makes sense. No, yeah. I totally follow you on that. Um, it's just like a we've we've used the word already a lot. Refreshing. It's just a, a refreshing uh, concept to a show that what was, we haven't. No, go ahead. Yeah, it was my problem with like Jupiter's Legacy was they were trying to be like that rated R superhero. We're going to smash people's faces and we're going to be violent and we're going to be edgy and we're going to be this and it just doesn't work. Not all stories need that. And then people want to try because it's the trendy thing to do because, you know, Deadpool got over as a rated R. So we want to do it. We want to do our own thing. So it just seems so unnecessary. I tried watching that Made for Love on HBO and it just was like over the top, just sexual. And just it just was like, why am I? I don't need to watch that. So <laughs> Yeah, it was something different. Like you said, we, how many of evil Superman shows have we had now? Uh, yeah, coming out of yeah, coming out of like the boys, which did that great. You know, yeah. that the violence and the vulgar and everything just works for that. Invincible, it worked. Jupiter's Legacy, it didn't. And they just, and it felt like they were just trying to do it because it was the trendy thing to do. And now because all these things have happened, you have to be careful, pick and choose the tone of your project. And you got to take your story and go, what's going to be the best tone? And I really think, and this, this is coming from someone who did not read the comics. So I don't know. And maybe when this is over, I'll read the comics and maybe I'll come back and go, dude, the comics were sick. But that you know it's a different medium it's a different way so i mean i think for tv so far it looks like they really went a really great route with toning down whatever they toned down but still keeping the core of it i'm assuming alive because the story the basic story still got to be the same right yeah and you know i'm with you on all that super shout out to jeff lemire for coming up with this the whole uh plot for this comic and show because a super original idea he even though it's like, it feels familiar because, you know, we're dealing with um, apocalyptic, like post-apocalyptic world and a virus kind of a thing, which you just alluded to makes it feel even more real, just what we've gone through uh, in 2020. Uh, so that kind of pulls you in, but uh, some of the ideas here you haven't seen and um, used before, like the, the hybrid kids and, um, all that is like a super cool twist on it. And I don't know. I'm totally digging the first two episodes. And I know me and you sitting here talking about this, we're going to just go back and forth and we're going to combine episode one and two. Like it's hard to separate the two, but just uh, the two episodes, the first sequence in the show, which you already talked about, really drummed up a lot of um, COVID fear feelings for me. I don't know about you, but like, watching the first 10 minutes of the show was like pretty engaging um, because I'm sitting there watching like, man, this is what maybe could have happened to us in real life. If like stuff would have really gotten out of control. So like that got you super invested to be like, this isn't just a fantasy. This is like something that could really happen to us. Yeah. <laughs> COVID hit a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it, it was like been a helicopters thing. crashing in midair and sirens and people screaming and stuff on fire, like we did have stuff on fire, like we That's we were, really quick. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It was like some surreal uh, watching there the first first scene, and I liked it. I liked the doctor character. Uh, yeah, he the seems rolling narration to throw through. And... Oh yeah, that's that's perfect. He's got the perfect voice for that 
too. Uh, So I'm a big fan of that. Usually when you get a narrator in a series, it's like from a character or somebody, we don't know who's narrating the story. Like, are we ever going to know? Or is it just some big voice in the sky that like uh, you'll never put a face to? I hope so. Cause that makes yeah. it like a fairy tale. And I think that's, I just think it's a great way to tell this story, at least the way it's going, especially when you're dealing with kids, you know, having the hybrids, you know, and having children be kind of the core of this story, you know, they're going full circle with this. And, you know, they're obviously yeah. is extremely important or Gus is extremely yeah. important in this story of where we're going. Um, as we start trying to learn all these characters that we have with the doctor and Amy at the zoo. How did you feel about, uh, Will Forte? I love Will Forte, man. I don't have anything against him. Yeah, I'm a fan too. I really liked his show on Fox, The uh, Last Man on Earth. Yeah. I kind of fell off that show once they started adding too many people. but uh, Because then I was like, man, isn't this show like, this is a conversation for another time. But it's like, The Last Man on Earth. But now there's like a full ensemble cast. I thought thought this was just going to be like him and... uh, the actress i can't think of her name she voices louise on bob's burgers you know who i'm talking about yeah, I uh but very early on in that series i was like man this is great and he's he's funny i thought he was funny on snl and yeah. even mcgruber that movie's just funny yeah. uh so i was actually spoilers again i know we already said spoilers but his character of the dad is gone after season one or episode one and i was actually disappointed man i was like oh man i wanted more of uh will forte on this show because we haven't really seen him be uh in too many dramatic roles but he he had some chops man he has got some chops he was very very believable as the dad and uh i i was into it yeah you can't not come out of last man on earth and not love will forte like that so good i didn't finish it and then it got canceled before they gave it an ending which was really a shame but that show was so good. And yeah, I was thinking, literally thinking yesterday going, I should really just put that show on again and just watch yeah. through it just because even if it doesn't have an ending, it's still so damn good. But yeah, Will Forte, it's, it's always nice to see some of those guys really get that opportunity to be a little bit more serious. And I thought this role was really good for him to be that kind of overprotective father because he had to be. Yeah. And yeah you know like it was heartbreaking and there were lots of moments in this that were heartbreaking and that kid that they cast i should have his name here but i'm not a professional at what we're doing here but (laughs) uh that kid was adorable and just was the perfect cast for what you need out of this to follow a kid i mean any show centering around a child is dangerous because if that kid isn't the right level it touches annoyance in any way your show is shot yeah you know, especially like that kid could easily, if you cast the wrong person in that role, they are annoying. And you roll your sure. eyes and go, oh, my God, this kid is the worst. Oh, my God, I would throw him off a cliff. And <laughs> that's murder, Chris. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an apocalyptic wasteland, you know, man. You're right. Uh you do a lot of things for this podcast. So I, I do some of the other small details. I wrote down the name Christian Convery. Is that how you say his name? The actor from that. Right now. Yeah. He's been in a few things and you're right about um, shows that are based around kids. It's, it is a risky proposition, no matter what you do. Uh, Child actors, you know, it's hit or miss and it's hard to be in between. Like it's either works or it doesn't. And so far two episodes in, it does work. He, he shows, he shows a good range as a child actor. Um, 
One thing I like most about the Gus character is the ears, the animatronic ears. Like, dude, that's super cool just because, one, it's not CGI. You can tell it's, like, placed on animatronic, uh, you know, something like that, and that's cool to have in a world where everything's CGI now, the antlers too. But I like the ears because they uh, are, like, a way to show emotion of the character. Like, whenever something's going uh, bad, like, his ears perk up, or when he's sad, like the ears go down, and that's just like a Cooper, Cooper, super cool way to uh, <laughs> a super cool way to show some some different range of emotion, and I just think it's uh, it's interesting. It's not distracting, and uh, the prosthetics they're using it seems like for all the hybrid characters are are cool and, and looks really nice. Yeah, absolutely. So I, was, I guess we'll we'll do a quick just overview of what this show's about, just in case you haven't heard about it yet, as we kind of dove in, and then we'll yeah. kind of see if we got anything else to really hit on. But the basic premise of the show seems to be a basically a virus, a type of pandemic kind of shows through and starts waving, just going through the world and decimating the population. And pretty much at the same time, all of a sudden, there's just this birth of the hybrids where all these babies are born half animal, half human. And then the society crumbles as they're trying to figure out which which caused what. Did the hybrids cause the virus or the virus caused the hybrids or what's going on? So then it became all too familiar in conspiracies and theorists and people who were just wanting to point fingers and blame one thing for another and really be able to, like I said, it all became way too close to home <laughs> real quick. Yeah, it's not like that doesn't uh, reflect real society and life at all or anything. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm sure this was and I know this story was written well before that. So. Yeah, it was, you know, it's, you know, it's just funny to see, you know, human nature is predictable in many ways. Art reflects life, my friend. Art reflects life. Yes, you can, you can tell what people are going to do. So it, uh, so then you kind of have this whole thing and pretty much it's like the course of then like 10 years and you have Will Forte as the father who basically takes his hybrid son and raises him in the forest in a house in a little like perimeter that he made for 10 years. And uh, just trying to keep him safe from the world. And then the show, basically, after we get the whole first episode, which is basically those 10 years growing up as, as Gus and his father and how that scenario is playing out is the whole first episode. And they did so much in that first episode. It was so good. Yeah. It was definitely a, as far as like series premieres go, it kind of had everything you want. Introductions, uh, meeting the characters, kind of feeling out the, the plot and everything like that. And uh, I think they kind of hit, hit the head on everything they were doing right there. Yeah. It was a great, great first episode. And then we kind of finished that one up by kind of being introduced to the big man and the, the poachers and really starting to kind of see a little bit more of the, the evil that was taken over the planet basically um, where we had all of these people, uh, sweet tooth wanted to go try to find his mom in Colorado. And we had, yeah, like I said, big man, the poachers, and then we got outside the walls of the woods and started to see the actual world and starting to see a little glimpse of what it turned into. So it was definitely opening up like, oh, and they ended that first episode just with all the land and like ready to go. And it was just, it was a good, it was a good first episode. Yeah. First episode going right into the second one. Um, 
I like the big man character. I think his name's like Tommy or Tom Jeppard. We saw him early in the first episode. You caught like the doctor watching the, it was like an NFL draft or NFL football show. And he was in there. So you kind of like, oh yeah, that guy. And so I guess he's like a former, when the world was regular, former big time football player, which we also found out later when the the other guy asked him about it in episode two. Uh, But he's an interesting character. Something like that is, done a seems like it's done a lot uh like a reluctant protector kind of a guy uh so that's his role it seems like so far in this show but uh, i'm interested to see where his character development goes episode two yeah further out into the world uh even backing up a little bit the end of episode one the song they played like i think it was of monsters and men while gus sweet tooth was running to like run to the edge of the fence and see what the world looks like, man, that was so fitting. Like that, that band is, has some epic songs that I am a fan of. And just doing that, it was just like, you felt like, Oh, this is a, a magical journey. We're about to embark on here. And I loved that they, they set, I mean, they said it perfectly, but I loved just like you said, he, you watch that whole episode with him trying to break his dad's rules and just trying to like, trying to get out and see the world and to try to do more and his dad just kind of was in his head just going no you can't do that and then like i said like the narrator said once he decided you know he broke them all at one time and like there was no hesitation when he ran he just leaped over he parkoured over that fence and he just broke every rule like immediately and then they were playing that song and it was just it was a perfect it was like i said it was a perfect way like an emotional yeah. just like you a full arc it was just a great way to end that first episode just going yep i know what we're getting into now yeah for sure and then uh we got even further in episode two uh um him him adventuring out into the world and we meet a family who's um a, f- a father mother and son who are like locked away into a resort or a mountain resort it kind of yeah, seemed like yeah. Yeah, they kind of took it over as their own home and uh, got some interesting storyline going on with them. Like it's the, their first time really seeing a uh, hybrid. So their initial reaction to him and Big Man being around them was was cool. I liked that interaction. Um, one thing I did wonder about, <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on this, the conversation the father had with um the Tommy character, the big character, when they're like kind of going over what's going on, the dad's like, what do you want with us? And he's like, we're going to spend the night. And then the dad says, we just don't, our whole mission, our whole goal this whole time has been for no one to know about us. Like you're in this giant resort (laughs) up on the top of this mountain. How do you expect anybody who's passing through within miles to not see this thing and come investigate like i know i would if i if i was out there and i was like oh look at that giant place i bet you there's food and like a bathroom in there or something that uh so that that was funny to me it was way too obvious it was way too obvious of a place like that isn't where you want to hide like a resort a resort ski resort lodge (laughs) those are made to be seen and gorgeous and attract people you don't want to live in a place like that when you're trying to hide yeah, if you would have really wanted to keep your family secret and never be found, you would have dug out some like shelter hidden in the woods, like with a little shack made out of sticks. Like, but no, me. right? No, you wanted the luxurious life of the the ski resort. So of course, people are going to find you. So <laughs> that was a matter funny. of time. It's just a yeah. matter of time. Uh, but then we started to get a little bit of backstory into uh, the Tommy character, where it was really kind of seemed like the the wife 
kind of noticed he had some markings on him, like he was part of a tribe or a gang of whatever, really doing bad things. So it's kind of putting a little bit of foreshadowing into what Tommy's capable of, which at the end of this episode, when the, the poacher showed up, we did see what Tommy's capable of in a lot of ways. And uh, it was just, I said, it was just a really good episode that kind of just really built a lot. They spent a lot of time building up kind of Gus really realizing that a lot of the stuff that his dad said isn't true. And Mm -hmm. where does that come from? You know, like he was telling, you know, Gus a lot of lies to try to protect him, protect him. And now as he's getting it on the real world, he's like, where's the fires? And my dad didn't write these books and my, you know, just starting to see a little bit more of life, you know, and you kind of realize that your dad wasn't, he was doing it for his protection, but as a 10 year old kid, you're just like, I was lied to. And you don't know how to process that. And I'm sure that's going to come back in bad ways. Yeah. Like what's going through Gus's head now? Like what else about my upbringing was a lie that I, you know, don't know. So that's cool. We're going to see more of that, uh, that character development and where that story goes. Uh, this episode, we also got more with the doctor, which I thought was cool. He's got a nice little side story going on where, now he seems like he's going to have to kind of take the reins in this vaccine we're learning. There's like some kind of vaccine that you can, uh, that he's injecting his own wife with, who's was infected with the sick is what they call their disease in this. Um, but I guess it, the effects only last, you know, less than a month. So she has to keep getting reinjected and, and we find out he gave up being a doctor because of all the things he's seen, but he might have to be thrust back into that role because the current doctor who's dealing with these vaccines is a cancer patient and doesn't have long to live. So uh, like the cliffhanger of this episode kind of came in that scene and it wasn't even at the end when we find out that the doctor is having some real reservations about taking on this role because something that goes on with the making of this vaccine is against his beliefs and something that is very like, has him very distraught we can tell he he doesn't want to do what needs to be done to make this vaccine and uh his wife kind of looks at these papers that he's looking at and you we can just tell as an audience the look on her face like whatever they have to do to do this like keep her alive make this vaccine is something bad so it's going to be like do we keep her alive by making this vaccine? Cause this is what you need or like cross the line or whatever we as an audience don't know what it is yet. And that's, that was kind of the cliffhanger of this episode being in the middle, which was pretty cool. Uh, so I'm interested to see, like, do you have any thoughts on that scene or, or what you think that could be or. No, I mean, it, I don't, um, I kind of was like, you know, like you said, taken back by that going oh god what are they going to have to do now my initial reaction kind of jumps to they're going to have to kill somebody (laughs) you know like whether or not it's the hybrids you know that they're making this vaccine out of or if it's other humans or like what they're i you know i would imagine it has something to do with the hybrids and i don't know to what capacity but they both look pretty horrified about the idea so i do not imagine it being good no yeah that was my initial thought too is it something with killing something and if it's hybrids that means it's children which would be like a horrific thing to have to do so and they've made they made a point and especially in the first episode they made a real big point no even in the second one they made a point that gus is special everybody kept saying i've never seen one this old i've never seen one that talked i've never seen like 
So there's something special about Gus. So where does he play into that? Yeah. You know, where does he play into that narrative of being, is he special in the way that he can cure people or you like, you know, why is he special and what does that mean for the story? Which I'm very excited to find out. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally into what I've seen so far. Uh, have been pleasantly surprised, uh, by what we've gotten so far. And yeah, Sweet Tooth is, it's a fun ride. Two episodes in those listening to it, you may have binged the whole thing already. You know exactly what's going to happen because that's what Netflix is. But, uh, we are not Chris, bingers. <laughs> we're not bingers. So, uh, after the first two episodes, I can say I am a fan and I'm in it for the ride to the end. So then I think we're going to talk about episodes three and four next week. Sounds good to me. So if you want to watch in, at a normal rate, <laughs> right. next week we'll be back to talk about episodes three and four. So watch three and four next week and, and really take the time to enjoy the show as opposed to just digesting it quickly. That's our suggestion. You can do it however you want, but we're telling you how we're going to do it. And uh, yeah, be here for our episodes three and four conversation for sure. Next week. I want to move on here. Um, speaking of binging, I pretty much read the entire saga of Family Tree issues one through 12 last night. <laughs> uh, luckily, this is a quick read. It is another Jeff Lemire book. Do you have those all those details up there? Yeah, Family Tree. Uh, another Jeff Lemire project since we're talking about Jeff Lemire here today. Uh, it's, it's, uh, a recent ish, uh, series from image comics, Jeff Lemire and Phil Hester on art. Uh, it only ran for 12 issues. So not that, not that long of a series. I don't know if it was originally intended to be longer or, or not, or if it was always planned to be just 12 issues. Um, uh, but yeah, 12 issues and, uh, I don't know. I can, I kind of consider this to be like a supernatural family drama, uh, with horror and action and another post apocalyptic tale, uh, similar to Sweet Tooth in that way, I guess. Very similar. Yeah. Very similar environments. Uh, Jeff Lemire right in his wheelhouse. He's got other books like this too. And, uh, of all the Jeff Lemire books I've read, I'd say this is right up there with the, with the best of them. Um, you and I are both fans of his. So I feel like, this book uh, is a good work of his, and I don't know. Did you kind of want to go into a synopsis of the story? or? Yeah, Family Tree kind of takes – it starts kind of at – you have your narrator talking about the end of the world and yeah. when that end of the world happens and when it was. And then we kind of cut to this family who has this little girl who basically is turning into a tree. Sounds crazy, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but she's turning into a tree. So family tree is literal as well as figurative in this uh, this story, you know, because it is all about families. It is all about lineage is this story. But at the same time, there are also people that turn into trees. And this, crazy. this little girl is turning into a tree and the mother, Loretta, has no idea what to do about it. Her husband left her all of these crazy things. So she has a son and a daughter and her daughter's turning into a tree and she's trying to figure out how to help her daughter and what they're doing. And then all of a sudden it just kind of goes crazy where they have all these people that are hunting them down, trying to get the girl, trying to do all this stuff. They have her, the grandfather judge shows up out of nowhere to kind of be the protector. And he kind of 
is their guide and has more information as to what's going on. And the story kind of just goes from there. And we actually at some point jump into five years into the future and we have the same characters and I don't really know where else to go outside of really getting hit in all those beats. No. Yeah. That's a good, uh, you know, recap of the, of the story. Um, I don't know. I like this book a lot. Uh, it's not, it's a quick read. Very quick. That's one very quick read. You can sit down with these 12 issues and probably like knock them out in under an hour or an hour tops. Uh, it's not too wordy, but you get, you get the story without it being too dense, like dialogue dense. The art kind of speaks for itself and, um, the art matches up well with the story. I think it's like a pretty perfect pairing. Um, I liked this book. The, the Hayes family, Loretta, Josh and Meg are, are very relatable to people. And, um, when we kind of get into the meat of this story with the daughter Meg turning into a tree, and the grief that is coming from the mom, uh, the mom, Loretta and Josh is, uh, very relatable. You can kind of put yourself in their shoes. If something was happening to a loved one of yours that you didn't know what was happening and you didn't know how to help them. Like Jeff Lemire did a good job of like conveying that emotion yeah. throughout, throughout this entire book. And, uh, when you see the way the family reacts to what's going on, you're like, man, that's exactly how a real person or I would react to like, if I didn't know what was happening to my wife or mom or whoever, you know, um, anything crazy. So I really appreciated that. Uh, the grandfather Judd is just cool. Yeah. He's he a cool character. Kind of he whoops all kinds of ass. He's the kind of, he's the kind of character who you'd want by your side in a, any kind of uh life or death situation, like just a go for broke old man. Who's, who doesn't take shit from anybody. Uh, yeah, totally cool. And, and, uh, yeah, I just, I liked this book a lot. Um, just enough dialogue and it's a great premise and a super original idea, uh, that we haven't seen. This is one I could totally see. Like if Jeff Lemire is super successful with sweet tooth, I could see this getting adapted, uh, in a heartbeat for either a movie or, or a show on its own. um, I don't know what what you feel about Family Tree. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was uh like you said it had a lot of heart, it had a lot of uh, emotion. They they captured a lot of those characters really well, like you said. Um I liked the complexity with the the actual like I said the family tree being, you know, the family and even once we started getting a little bit deeper into the story and really kind of the end of the world started happening once the girl fully turned into a tree. Yeah, yeah and released the pods and basically turned humanity into trees and basically ended the world you know and it, it, it really paralleled that that idea of the you know planet trying to take over you know the end of man like okay we've destroyed this planet it is time mother nature decides you know what you guys had your time i'm taking it all back and this way we've seen this story done in many ways but we've never really seen you know it done in a way where mother nature turned the humans into trees <laughs> that's true that is true you know we've we've seen the happening where mark Wahlberg gets chased by the wind but we have not seen you know, anybody <laughs> get turned into trees and really literally become part of nature um which is you know obviously also a representation of you know or a what's the word metaphor for when we do die and kind of you know go back into the ground and come back up this way yeah. we didn't go back into the ground we just turned into a tree where, where we stood and uh 
kind of go with that. And we even went in a little supernatural with it, with having the tree kind of be almost like a heaven. Yeah. Yeah. For other, for other, um, characters in there who've like been trees but didn't advance to the level that meg is they're all kind of in this world and her father's in there uh he's the only character name who i can't think of right now but uh her father who darcy darcy correct i should have known that because i like bookmarked it in my mind like that's a weird name for a man but uh uh yeah he's in there and the story originated with him turning into a tree and that's why he left his family and now it's happening to his daughter. So he's trying to help her like from beyond. I like the jumping back and forth in this book uh, from like different time periods. Yeah. Like, like seeing back to when Darcy was turning into a tree with his grandfather. Then you also fast forward to uh, when Meg was first turning into a tree. And then we even have further along when the brother Josh is an, an adult and he has, you know, a wife and a kid now and he's trying to protect Meg. Who's now fully a tree. And uh, his mom is there and she's all grizzled and she's like a warrior. Like it reminds you, yeah. Yeah. It reminds you of like total Sarah Connor vibes there. Um, a lot of action in this too. Like we said, it's horror and supernatural, but there's a lot of action too. Yeah. A lot of cool. The arborists. <laughs> the arborists yes they're the they're the uh mercenary team or whoever it is trying to uh wipe wipe the trees off the planet my only thing is i thought that uh the end like the way that they came up to they came up with to destroy meg was just to burn her i was like well yeah isn't that like the obvious way that's like the only way why did it take this long to get here like i don't know I'm gonna drop some napalm on him <laughs> yeah just like burn the tree okay yeah it makes sense it's made of wood we'll just burn the tree uh but yeah issue 12 which we just both read which came out just this week uh was i feel like it wrapped the story up nice i feel like they could have done more and uh that's why i was questioning if this was intended to be a longer series or not because it kind of felt like they got to the ending pretty fast right. uh yeah, they got to the ending really fast. So I could have seen this going for another 12 issues, if not longer. Who knows the inner workings of why it was only 12 issues. Uh, but I enjoyed the ending. I thought it kind of wrapped things up. Um, they went Meg and her full circle ending. Full circle ending. The mom, uh, Loretta and Meg are reunited, but she's also gone from her son, but her son has his family that he's now with. So everybody's, you know, kind of gotten to the place where they need to be by and the end of this story a tree and it just, yeah that was it cycle that, continues exactly that's the last uh panel we see is his daughter is growing a branch so she's the next tree it says the end but is it really the end will we have another family tree like series uh which is what they like to do in these comics i know sweet tooth just got another um series that it started and it's on like issue three or four like a continuation uh of that so could we see more family tree in the future i believe it's plausible uh i wouldn't doubt it but me personally i definitely recommend this book to fans if you liked the sweet tooth show or you are aware of jeff lemire and you're a fan of his and just haven't picked this book up yet uh easy read 12 issues it's probably collected in volumes by now or will if be. it's not or if it's not it soon will be so I definitely uh, do recommend Family Tree for a fun read. 
yeah, there's there's tons more into it that we got to. We kind of really just touched the surface of where we were because there's a lot of action in there. We obviously can't do much justice for outside of just sitting here going pew 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 pew. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to really do you know the work that these guys did any justice. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Definitely read Family Tree. Gideon Falls, another fun book by Jeff Lemire that came out. You just can't miss with Jeff Lemire, man. Anything this guy comes out with, I um, I will give a chance to. I'm a fan of his from back uh, since the New 52 with Animal Man. Oh, man. And, Animal Man. Yeah, Animal Man. And uh, he did a couple other things there. And he's written Green Arrow for DC. Um he's done a couple X-Men books here and there, and he's just a very prolific guy and somebody whose stories I enjoy. And I know you do too. Coming up next. Uh, I haven't looked too far ahead to see. Um, I'm sure he's got something cooking because he's like a guy who just seems like he doesn't stop working. Uh, But no, I haven't seen because I know this just ended. Gideon Falls ended. Um, Is he he still doing a sender? Okay. Yeah, that's one I have not had a chance to get to. That and Descender are uh two books that are books of his that are pretty highly regarded. He was part um, of the Geiger or no? No, he's not involved that's in Geiger. Just, just trying to sell it to me. Stop selling me Jeff Johns image comics. Jeff Johns, Jeff Lemire, it sounds the same, right? Ha <laughs> ha, buy this book. Uh <laughs> Jerks. No. I'm not sure. I, I think he does, like I said, have that sweet tooth uh, revival going on right now. But outside of that, which you can expect with the show, like a new sweet tooth book to coincide with the show. Um, but no, outside of that, not sure. He has a cosmic detective graphic novel up on Kickstarter that he's looking for backers for, which I might have to look a little bit more into. Interesting. So he's got that all up on his blog currently. He's set to do a bunch of Comic-Con schedules. He's set for San Diego Comic-Con. He's talking about Berserker Unbound, which is a a different with for Dark Horse Comics, which looks like it's set to come out. Unless that already came out. I don't see a date. That looks pretty freaking cool. You might have to check it out, dude. Might have to. So we're going to definitely, this obviously isn't the last time you'll hear us talking about Jeff Lemire, especially because we are going to talk about Sweet Tooth next week. So, Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. Appreciate the content. (laughs) Uh, So we wanted to dive in real quick and do a Loki preview because coming up on Wednesday, June 9th, is the first episode of Loki. So we watched Loki. (laughs) We watched Loki. What's that show called? Avengers Assembled, Assembled on Disney Plus. Oh, it's uh, <clears throat> Marvel Studios Legends. Marvel Studios Legends. Like I said, Don knows his shit. Sometimes I'm just winging it over here. <laughs> but yeah, we watched Loki. Kind of, if you haven't checked that out, definitely check out those are those are cool little eight minute episodes to watch right before a uh, premiere of any of their shows. They're really a nice kind of just clip show of everything that they've done in the MCU up until now and where their venture is going to continue. So I'm definitely super pumped for Loki. And uh, 
Are you pumped for Loki, Don? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. How could one not be pumped for Loki? It, it's it's going to be great. How could it not be great? Right, right. So, yeah, man, after watching that Avengers Assembled, I don't know why I want to call it that, Legends, Marvel, <laughs> Legends, yeah. Legends, it really just kind of made me want to watch a ton of MCU movies, as those tend to do, because it's been yeah. a long time since I saw Thor. Honest to God, I think I only watched their first Thor like in theaters. I don't think I ever watched it again. Um, I know I watched uh, Dark Dark World. Dark World. I know I watched that one a couple times. I really liked that one. I know that's like on the bottom of everyone's list, but I thought it was like a fun Star Wars esque type of yeah. thing. And I forgot Loki was even in that one. So I mean, mm. and Loki was just such a huge. Realized watching those because they also had an episode for the Tesseract up. I don't know if you watched that one. I did, and it just realizes how much the MCU was built around Loki and the Tesseract. Yeah. Like they were in, I mean, the Tesseract was mentioned or in like nine movies. It's true. Loki was in three, four, five, six, because he was the bad guy in Thor one. He was cameos in Thor two and three, a big part of the plot. He was the bad guy for the Avengers, as well as a huge part in Infinity War and Endgame, including mm-hmm. Endgame where he died. But then we got his doppelganger when they started leaps in through time and get into basically the plot of the Loki show. And then the Tesseract was in Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, the Avengers, Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, Captain Marvel, Endgame, and it was mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That's it's been like, around. It's been around, man. That was like the main... That's the main Infinity Stone. Yeah, that has definitely been the main Infinity Stone. Um, but as far as Loki, uh, <clears throat> I'm with you. I haven't uh rewatched I don't know if I've rewatched any of the Thor movies. Like I even loved Ragnarok and I think I've only seen it once. Um I've I've watched Avengers a bunch of times and <clears throat> whatnot, but as far as Loki goes, to me he's just always been the most compelling um villain the mcu has made still to this day he's one of the original ones but he's also still the one who who like seems like matters the most if you start making a list of all the mcu villains and taking them from the movies like he feels like the one that's still the most important even you know even though we got people like thanos and whatnot like loki just seems like the one who just affects the narrative the most um when they made Avengers, we could have had, you know, multiple, we could have had a new villain be the villain of that movie, but they chose Loki. I feel like because he still seemed like the most, um, one who could threaten the entire team. Like he's that on that level. Like it could have been a guy from Iron Man or it could have been a, a Hulk villain or a captain. It could have been the Red Skull or whoever you wanted to pick, but they chose Loki because he just has that presence and, uh, I feel like Tom Hiddleston has done a great job. He's like been evolving with this character from the first Thor movie and has, has made him just a really interesting character. Uh, is he good? Is he bad? Is he an anti-hero? You know, I feel like he's a mixture of all of them put together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. To all of those. Uh, and that's, I, I, I think that kind of just plays into the excitement level for this show. Like people love Loki and love Tom as Loki. So, um, I was definitely glad that I watched this Marvel Legends episode on him because I'd forgotten a lot of 
his journey. And I, I'm glad I revisited it before we start the show next week, because I'm definitely excited for the show. And now I feel like I'm going in, you know, mentally prepared and ready to be like, okay, I know what's going on. So yeah, I dug it. Absolutely. So now we, I think it was end game where they killed Loki. Thanos got the Tesseract from him and killed Loki. Mm-hmm. And then also in Endgame, when they started traipsing through time to try to regather the Infinity Stones, the Tesseract, during the heist to regain the Tesseract at the end of the first Avengers movie, when they were doing the you know Avengers MCU greatest hits in Endgame, they, uh, the doppelganger Loki, or the Loki from that <clears throat> timeline, or that, that version of Loki, grabbed the Tesseract and disappeared. And this is where we're falling into. I'm assume, assuming that exact moment is where this Loki show is going to pick up from on Wednesday. I'm assuming they're going to show us that scene. He's going to disappear. And then we have this show, right? That's what I'm guessing. Um, I mean, that's the only way they could kind of do it because the Loki, I guess we're going to be dealing with in this show is not the Loki. Like Loki died. We saw Loki die. This is a time displaced Loki who I guess isn't going to know everything that happened after Avengers. Yeah. After Avengers. So like, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they, how they do this. I have total faith that they're going to be able to pull it off. But like, once you start getting into time travel and time displacement, it gets all very tricky. So we'll see what they, yeah. How are they going to undo? They're undoing all of these big deaths that they, you had all these big death moments in Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame and, you know, Gamora and, uh, and Loki were the two big ones that they've already walked back. Right. And in between infinity war and this with multiple doppelgangers, multiple multiverse doppelgangers, black widow. I'm still waiting for them to walk that one back here in this movie. <laughs> it's possible they do. And, um, I feel like the only ones we won't get walked back are just Robert Downey and Chris Evans, just because they, as actors, we know just wanted to be like, wanted to put a period on the end of their work. But just like comic books, man, deaths don't last. How many times has Wolverine died in the comics? How many times has Superman died and Bruce Wayne, Batman died and they always come back. So I don't think we should expect anything different from our movies. Um, Yeah. We'll see how it goes, but I'm super pumped for Loki. Like, and it feels like it's been a year since, uh, since Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended. It's only been six right? weeks, but, but it feels like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Now that you're <laughs> like saying it, like, man, six weeks, it does feel like it's been a while. So I'm, yeah, super pumped for Wednesday to get here. Get us some Loki. I know we mentioned it before. We're going to mention it again. Our Loki coverage, we are going to drop special Loki reviews on Sundays. For the next six to eight weeks, however long Loki lasts as a show. Um, So the idea is being able to give you guys some time to digest the show, but then you're not listening to us talk about one episode the day you're watching another one. (laughs) You got a little couple days in between. So you got some time to watch it, and then you got some time before. So we're still going to have our regular show. We're going to talk about our Sweet Tooth and Conjuring 3 is coming up and everything else. But our Loki coverage will be a separate episode. So make sure you guys stay on the lookout for that. So that's why you want to make sure you subscribe subscribe on all your podcast services and social media so you stay in the loop so you don't miss a thing you don't want to sit here next wednesday going where's my loki coverage and you don't have any because it dropped on sunday so subscribe 
and tell your friends subscribe grab yeah, their phone we, subscribe <laughs> hit that hit that subscribe button we yeah. have smart ideas sometimes this is one of our smart ones i'm a fan i'm a fan so that's what we're gonna try to do for that so definitely look out for that this upcoming sunday because i'm trying to think you're listening to it now on wednesday so this means this sunday so enjoy loki if you're watching loki right now don't tell us anything that's gonna happen you'll know what we think about it in five days time on sunday yeah it's weird when we have to like predict the future and what's going on you got to think ahead in those ways like we're marty mcfly or something uh hop in the delorean and and uh worry about next week back in today time. <laughs> back in right. time and seduce our moms <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't want to do that please no 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 do you know they made a back to the future broadway musical you just made that up i dude i didn't <laughs> i just saw it today on a thing and i was like i have to see that it'll be so bad but i have to i have to see it yeah oh okay. my god back you just forward. you just blew my mind with that one blew your mind well, we're going to bring it back home here and we're going to talk about what we're geeking out on and we're going to get out of here because I just heard my lunch slash dinner show up and I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Don, what you geeking out on this week, man? Chris, what I'm geeking out on this week is uh, first thing I wanted to talk about was the Watching Comics podcast. Um, this is uh, another kind of like-minded podcast to us that I um, found using twitter and hadn't listened to one of their episodes yet so every now and then i like to you know pick a different show and check it out see what other podcasts are doing uh these guys just had an episode uh dedicated to the eternals trailer their entire episode dedicated to the eternals trailer so i wasn't yeah i wasn't sure what to expect from that but listening to it man i really i really was into it and they really kind of changed my mind on the eternals as a property and as uh, what I have to look forward to. Um, we've talked about, I think we talked about Eternals in our last episode. And I even mentioned, you know, it was kind of low on my list of things that, uh, that Marvel has coming that has like me hyped the, maybe the least, but hearing their opinions on it, uh, was really interesting to me. I, I was, I was happy to hear some different point of views. They, they kind of came at it looking at a, looking at it as more of a, way that marvel studios is actively evolving and um didn't want to continue to kind of make the same carbon copy versions of what they've been doing you know what i'm saying so so we just ended phase three and we're going into phase four uh if we continued if they just continued on their same route of making the same like you're just watching captain marvel again or watching ant-man again or watching even a a different version of iron man again like how is that making progress so with adding chloe zows who is a by all accounts a prominent i mean now she's an oscar-winning director um and and i and you can kind of see it in the trailer like you can see how different eternals actually looks from previous movies like her her use of lighting and and use of uh different kind of ways of filming and even just the way the trailer was different it's just something different and and these guys kind of presented that idea in a way i hadn't thought of it before like what if marvel is now on to the next phase of making like kind of art house 
Marvel movies. What if what if Eternals is to the point where um, it's actually respected so much in in film circles that like we're getting just different kind of award worthy movies. What if that's what she has cooking? And just like the idea of that kind of when I thought about it more, I was like, yeah, what if that is what we're we're gonna get out of this? What if this is Marvel's? They finally decided, you know, to let the directors infuse their style more uh, than what may have previously been like Taiki YTT took Thor um, Ragnarok and totally flipped it around and made it a completely different movie than what Thor and Dark World were. And that was because Kevin Feige and everyone else over there kind of let him take the reins and be like, dude, this is your movie. Here's the tools. We're going to give you the tools. You make the movie you want to make. And it felt different than other Marvel movies. Like, what if that's what they're kind of doing with her? And uh, clearly she's a re- well-respected director. And um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if this is the evolution of the Marvel movie itself. Like, am I just going to get something that's going to feel different? Is it a Marvel movie that's going to make me feel different than just like your, the ones we've had, like there has been a formula to Marvel movies. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. We know, we know there has been like, there is a formula to it and they're all well and good, but I'm not going to be opposed to like, if they are open to changing that and making it, I don't want to say better, but just making it different into the future. Like, cause your Thanos story you've been building since God knows how long that story's over. Now, what are we going to do now to, keep this going and you know keep the keep the rig on the road so that was my long-winded way of saying this episode of uh watching comics they put out a great show check them out uh they're on twitter and and i'm sure you can find them on every podcast uh but yeah i'm gonna let you react to what i what i was saying but you should listen to it too man watching comics podcast this episode they had about the eternals it was definitely uh uh a good time and time well spent about an hour well spent there. Yeah. And I, just to show you guys how easy it was while Don was saying that I looked them up on uh, Apple podcasts and I subscribe, just push up a button. Nice and easy. There you go. Plus at the top, you click it. I know their new update for Apple podcasts is terrible. I, I, it <laughs> almost makes me not even want to use it anymore. I'm, I'm slowly shifting everything over to Spotify just because I hate the new layout for Apple. Yeah. Podcasts. But that's where I subscribe to it. But yeah, man, that sounds really interesting as a way to to do that type of thing. And if there was ever a time to do it, it's now. Because once we're coming out of the, the Thanos storyline, the Infinity Stone story. But now if you also look at this year and you think we have, you know, we have Black, Black, Black Marvel, Black Mido, Widow. Jesus. Black <laughs> Widow is coming out and that's going to be typical MCU. We have Shang-Chi coming out in September, which is going to be different. But, you know, they're going to go like, seems like they're going to go martial arts style, which is different of a movie, but it still has a little bit of Marvel thing. So then throw the Eternals in there in November, go art house with it. Why not? And then we swing around in December, just a couple weeks later, and we hit Spider-Man. So, yeah, you know, it's it's a good way to kind of put it out there. I don't know if they're expecting, I don't know what they're expecting from a turnaround, especially with Spider-Man coming so close to it to steal its thunder. I just, I don't, maybe they're looking for more like credibility as opposed to money. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. Uh, that just might be their way of going forward and like forging a new path for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Come up with a, a way to still tell their same stories they want to tell, but be like, man, we've done this so many times. Like how many Iron Mans 
can we can we do? Uh, not to say they're bad, but they all follow the same formula, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's basically what I got on that. Uh, and then to switch gears, the other thing I was geeking out on, uh, I've talked about it before, was the mayor of Easttown did end. Uh, I consumed it all on HBO Max, uh, eight episodes. And if you've heard the show before, you know, I described it as a, you know, it's a detective story mystery murder mystery show and it did end and when i did talk about it i think there was three episodes left so i just wanted to let you all know that uh the show to me did deliver in the end um it wasn't wasn't uh let down like some things can be um my main point of bringing this up well I just wanted to make sure you all, you know, knew I liked it. And I, I suggest you all watch it if you're interested in those kind of things. Uh, but one thing that did bother me that I wanted to talk about was, uh, one of the actresses from this show, I'm trying, I got her name down here. She plays the daughter. I think it's angry rice. She plays the daughter and it's like, you'll, she's like the blonde teenage daughter. Uh, I actually noticed that she's like in these Tom Holland Spider-Man movies too. She's like one of the high school classmates. Yeah, I saw that too, but I, I they couldn't place her. Yeah, she's in those movies. But anyway, uh, I digress. She had my wife showed me this, and she had an interview with some magazine or some podcast or something before this show ended. And I'm not going to fully spoil this show for those who want to watch it, but. There's a bunch of twists. You know, these shows always have a twist. And the point of the shows are to have like multiple suspects. So as viewers, it keeps us guessing throughout like, well, could this person have done it? Well, no, could this person have done it? You're supposed to have a long list. That's what's supposed to keep you invested. She had an interview where she like took a character and was like, as an actress on the show, she said, keep an eye on this guy. He, there's more to him than, than what me eats the eye like i want you guys as viewers like look more into this person and like the person she named turned out to be like somebody at the end who really was super involved in the ending and i was like dude like why i don't understand why why an actor would more or less spoil the show they're in like people read that and then there was a lot of backlash on her if you look it up for it like why would you even say that because we wouldn't have known, nobody would have known anything about that. And it like would have came about naturally and organically, but she like, for some reason brought it up in an interview. This is like the whole Tom Holland thing again. (laughs) This is like the whole Tom Holland thing again with like ruining his own Spider-Man movies, which he's gotten a lot of flack for over the uh, years, but just like, I don't understand that. And if I would have seen it before I, I didn't see it until after the fact, but if I would have, I would have been really upset. Like, I know like spoiler stuff is like maybe some people think it's blowing out of proportion, but like I'm still a person who does not lo- appreciate spoilers, especially in like a mystery uh related show. So I don't want someone telling me. To yeah, look. that's what stood out to me. But yeah, I don't want. Yeah, don't look more into this person. I don't need to hear that from someone on the show. That's like that's like kind of crap. Yeah. so then you do that's why i hate when they do a trailer and they always go oh a twist you never see coming and i'm like well now right. i'm looking for it and nine times out of ten the twist is actually in the first five minutes of the movie so yeah. then you figure it out and you know and that's what happened with shutter island and that's why I think <laughs> chris is still 
Chris is still bitter about Shutter Island. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't want to. 20 years later, I don't want to discourage anybody from watching this show. It definitely is a show worth watching. I think it delivered uh, in the end and it, it was a, a good watch. Um, but if you are preparing to watch the show, just avoid interviews with that actress I just named because she gives away a lot about the show that she's in for some reason that I don't understand. Now, did you, were you twisted? When you hit, when they hit the twist, did you see it coming or the big reveal at the end of the finale? No details, nothing crazy. Did you, did you see it coming? Was it shocking to you? How did you emotionally feel about when they did the big reveal at the end of the finale? I saw it coming. It's hard to describe. I saw it coming in a way, like portions of it. Like I got portions of it. Um, but yeah, there was still a uh shock factor. Not I wouldn't go far as say shock, but like a oh, okay, I see what's happening now and you kind of piece it together there. I me and my wife figured it out um before they officially said it like, oh, well, this is this is what happened now and we were we got it. But uh sometimes shows like this don't give you that final puzzle piece so you can fully put it together until the end. You know what I'm saying? Like some shows you can figure it out because all the clues are there, but if all the clues aren't presented until the end, it's like, well, how was I supposed to know that if, because uh, it yeah. wasn't presented until this last episode. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it was a satisfying enough ending. Um, Kate Winslet actually does a great job in this show. She's really good in it. Uh, a lot of the actors are good in it and it's out there now, HBO, HBO Max. So for those who are interested and want a good mystery uh, crime show, I feel like uh, you would not be disappointed with it. Full series now streaming on HBO Max. Yes, sir. Chris, yeah. what are you geeking out on? What have you been geeking out on, my friend? I've been geeking out, and I'm, I feel like I might have said this last week. I don't really know. But I this week, the biggest thing that I did outside of preparing for this show was I played a lot of Far Cry 5. I finally really dove into that, even though I bought it for PS4 forever ago and only played little snippets. I really dove into it. I rebought it on the Xbox. As I mentioned here, I got an Xbox Series S not too long ago. And one of the things that they did with the Xbox, the Xbox just in general for the S and X, the new systems, is they did something called an FPS boost on like, I think the list is up to almost 100 games. So all of these like basic last gen games, the PS4 and Xbox One games, they threw like a 60 frames per second performance mode on all of these games. So they play super smooth. So I was playing, I bought Far Cry, they put Far Cry 5 like the ultimate edition for like 17 bucks i was like whatever it's like the price of paying for a season pass let me buy it so i bought it again downloaded it i was playing it on the xbox one in the one room and it played like shit i was like this is terrible then i went into the other room was playing that series s and i was like dude this plays like a dream and it plays so damn good so now it's like i want to go back and play all of these games that i missed on the like ps4 x last gen basically but they play so damn good on this uh system now so i'm super excited but i've been playing the hell out of far cry 5 really enjoying it for those who've never played a far cry 5 game they're just massive ubisoft open world games they usually take place in some like oppressed country where there's a dictator involved that kind of runs the country and then you kind of come in as an everyman every you know woman you can kind of get to build your character and uh 
whoever you want to be. And it's just kind of a first person. You just kind of run amok through the countryside, doing whatever you want, trying to create chaos. And you do the missions to try to overthrow the dictatorship that's going on in the country. Far Cry 5 changed the formula a little bit because they they wanted to be the first one to actually take place on American soil instead of another foreign country. And it basically takes place in Montana, where you're taking down a cult that has basically took root in the middle of middle America and basically took over this whole County. And you're basically a, uh, like a sheriff's deputy that kind of went in to try to arrest the cult leader with the marshals and everything went horribly wrong. And you ended up getting stranded within this like County. And so then basically you just kind of go around the, the County helping out people and trying to um, overthrow the cult that, that took over this, this region. And I, for whatever reason, really always end up buying the Far Cry games, but I've, this is the furthest I've ever dove into one. I played a lot of them, but it's always the beginnings. And then I kind of fade off. It's open world. This one I'm really pushing through, but it's a lot of fun to play. And I'm trying not to open world games. I struggle with because I want to do everything on the map and I'm learning to just do the story missions. Like, well, just do the story missions. And if I want to come back, I can pick up little things, you know, here and there. So I've gotten really far. I got a lot of customizable weapons now vehicles, all kinds of stuff. I've been fishing and just doing random bullshit. And it's been a lot of fun just kind of overthrowing this cult and doing things. So, and with that first, uh, that FPS boost, it plays really well. So it's been kind of fun to just kind of run through. And I got my dog Boomer as my assistant and he just runs, I sick him on people when I'm doing, you know, uh, stealth sections. And (laughs) the dog just runs around and spots people for me and attacks them kind of works out. I was doing a mission earlier today where I had to, I had to set all these bombs and then they gave me a four minute timer and they said, don't let them, don't let them defuse the bombs. So then every time they would throughout this four minutes, all these guys were coming in and I just had to kind of like take out all these guys while they were diffusing, trying to defuse these bombs. And the dog just kept, I kept realizing someone would start defusing a bomb on the other side of like the, the building and the dog, I would see the little shadow of the dog just attack them and took care of it for me. I'm like, sweet. Um, so I've been having a lot nice. of fun with Far Cry 5, and uh, I got real pumped last week when they dropped a new trailer for Far Cry 6, because once again, I really had no interest in it, and then I watched the trailer and just said, man, that looks so good, and made me want to jump into Far Cry 5 again, because I have a feeling that when 6 comes out, I'm going to end up buying it, because that's what I always do. And it's featuring your guy, Giancarlo, what's his last name, Esposito? Yeah. From... Uh... From Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and The Mandalorian and a bunch of stuff. That gotta love that guy as a villain. He's like great. And and so. Far Cry is known for having their villains. Like the villains are what those that series turned into, especially from like three, four, and five when we really got into motion capture and we really got into like acting and turning these games into like interactive movies in a lot of ways. They really put a lot of focus on their villain. So those games are as strong as their villain is. Like everybody loved the villain for three, four, not so much. And then five, I think everyone came back around, which is that idea of the cult in Montana just really hit close to home once again with a lot mm-hmm. of very familiar uh, very familiar themes that you know we've gone through as a country and it was really interesting to see so it's been it's been fun just kind of traipsing through and I've kind of just focused on just hitting through one of the things that I like about this open world and it was one of the things that really appealed to me was that usually a lot of times you're kind of hitting the story beats or you're running through and you got to do so much well this this game actually gives you they have three sections they broke the map up over basically three 
like of the main character, the cult leader, his siblings. So two brothers and a sister, and they gave them each a region. And in that region, they basically have a bar of how much, basically how long it'll take you to get to that bad guy, the boss fight. And everything that you do when you're in that region fills up the bar. So once the bar is filled, so it doesn't matter what you do. I can do story missions. I can do, I can just destroy silos. I can help do side missions. I can, everything you do get, fills up that bar. So you can kind of customize what's fun for you, which is kind of a unique way to do open world games. So then you don't feel like you're, you have to do one thing over another if you don't want to. So it's kind of been, it's a unique way to do that type of setting. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, dude. Sounds fun. Yeah, so I've been having fun with Far Cry, and now I actually have the season pass as well. So I know they they unleashed like a Mars expansion, a bunch of weird expansions, and they even did a New Dawn. Um, Far Cry likes to do their big main game, Far Cry one, two, three, and uh, four, and then after four they did Primal as a spinoff, and then after five they did New Dawn as a spinoff. So I'm sure they'll do six, and they'll do something as a spinoff where they use basically the same map. And the same building, but they're able to basically get a discount game out of it that they'll sell for 40 bucks. And so I'm sure if I can get through this, I'll end up grabbing New Dawn and it's supposed to continue the story of the same map and stuff. So I'm interested to see where that goes. So enjoying Far Cry. Been fun. Join the Xbox with the, the FPS boost. Very nice. And then I did listen to some Blink-182 after you talked about it. And, hey! Uh, you know, listen to some Dude Ranch the other day. And it was amazing as... And a lot of bands start off this way. But it was amazing, like, the old Blink-182, Tom on the guitar, man, he had some riffs that he just... <laughs> I mean, he went nuts with that guitar doing that, that you kind of, as they continued as a band, you kind of lost that. But th- there's a lot of bands where you listen to some older stuff and they're just going to town. But he had some, like, even listening to just the first couple tracks on Dude, Dude Ranch again, that just that guitar just goes, man, and just has some real catchy, some real catchy stuff in there. That if their later albums after Enema of the State just kind of turned into a little bit more, yeah, basic, just kind of power corded it up, or you know, your basic chords, and you kind of lost that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Tom Tom DeLong is like a guy who who becomes like a punchline in in you know the conversation in, in pop culture or whatever because you know he's famous for you no know, for believing in aliens and really really thinking going deep into that and like making that a profession or whatever so people like to laugh at him and some of the silliness but dude is a talented guy talented musician if you really listen to it like beyond all the goofiness and everything like he can he can shred a little bit there yeah, and, and definitely old, like, Treshire Cat, Dude Ranch, a little bit on Enema before they really got radio friendly. He had some, yeah, he shredded on that guitar, and some of those riffs just, I don't, don't know how he did them that fast and that consistent, you know, yeah. just that idea. I can't imagine those songs. There's probably a reason they, they didn't play a lot of those songs live, just because I can't imagine him being able to successfully do that constantly, because some of those riffs are, are, are crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was fun to totally. fun to go punk ba- punk rock back to the future there back to the past and flashback punk rock flashback is what I was going for. Yeah, dude, it was fun. That's a fun. That's a fun re- listen. Takes you takes you back to a place uh, where where um, 
that was like the sound and the music you really liked and you can still appreciate it to this day so that's it's good time yeah and now if you drive down the street blasting cheshire cat nobody knows what it is and they won't make fun of you <laughs> like oh this dude's listening to some crazy punk rock and be like bitch it's blink 182 <laughs> like this doesn't sound like imagine dragons what is this? yeah so you know it's, it's... it was a good time i'll probably listen to some more here as i've been like i said punk rock blast from the past so nice it's been fun it's been fun but don i think that's going to do it for the show i'm gonna go oh eat yeah lunch slash dinner and hopefully you guys are all enjoying loki out there Don, I'm super pumped to talk more about that here with you, and hopefully we'll be able to get in some Warzoning or some Avengers multiplayer here over the course of this weekend. Yeah, dude. That, Loki, Sweet Tooth, our games we play, it's a good time to be a geek. Great time to be a geek. So once again, make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, shoot us an email at raisedageek at gmail.com. Join the over 500 people who already have following us over on Twitter at raisedageek. Hit us those five stars. Take care of the show so we can continue bringing you great content. And hopefully we'll be expanding that in the near future. But until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for listening to the Raised a Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek.